How many things do you do on an average day that causes another brother or sister in Christ to stumble? Are we even aware of the example that we are setting, not just to our immediate family, but to those people around us? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be exploring on today's podcast. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and let's get into it. Well, hey there, my friends, Jason Jimenez here. Welcome you guys to another episode here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Blessed to be with you guys as always, as we are now podcast 239, and we are exploring 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where we left off last time is we were talking about in verses 1 through 6, not allowing arrogance to compromise your witness. Now that's foundational because now what we're going to be looking at in verses 7 through 13 as we continue our study here in the letter to the Corinthians, is Paul addressing certain aspects of the, not the hierarchy, but people who have not just a newfound faith in Christ, but who've left the paganistic world that they grew up in, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and how much of your former life in beliefs, are you carrying in or still allowing to influence you or even the people that you associate with prior or pre-Christ? And that is so important, my friends. So one, we have to, as we dive right in, if you missed the previous podcast, you can always get it wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to standstrongministries.org and right there on the homepage, we have it for your viewing for your listenership and i just want to say as we are diving in here thank you guys for your support it's neat to see that there are several of you out there who have been listening for quite some time that are now supporting the ministry on a monthly basis and if you feel called to do that as we are now looking for the end of the year giving uh 2023 as i'm recording this before the end of the year you can go to standstrongministries.org click on the donate button And there you have information about what we do. This is one of them, putting together a podcast and producing it all over the world, teaching people verse by verse the Bible. So this is a blessing. If you want to be a monthly Stand Strong supporter or a one-time giver, please do so if if you feel so led at standstrongministries.org. But also leave us a review. Let people know about this podcast. SoundCloud, just recently we were evaluating and just seeing this time last year it's incredible so many more thousands upon thousands of listens that are taking place in other platforms you know with with uh, amazon music and of course with apple so leave us a review you guys share that that continues to reach uh, more people as you guys partner with me uh, to teach people how to stand strong in god's word So when we go back to pride now, that's foundational. So we have to look at our life and say, how prideful am I? Is it when it comes to your skill set, your money, your position, your status, whatever the case may be? So I encourage you guys to evaluate that. If you you listen to last time podcast, we had Thanksgiving. So I had some time off with family, which I appreciated and enjoyed greatly especially when you have older kids now off to college, when they come home, you really want to spend that time with them and, and just, you know, just bathe in their, in, in their stories, right? And, and just champion them as God is using them out there in the world. And what a blessing 
And so even as I was reflecting on my life, <clears throat> especially when you're looking at it in terms of, of a pastor, am I prideful in my knowledge, um, in the successes? And, and my wife and I were just talking about that this morning. You know, if you really truly wholeheartedly devote your life to Christ, you realize that it's all about him. And I'm just so blessed and honored to be a vessel. And Paul was such a great example of this, showing what type of humility. I mean, this guy was brilliant. He knew Greek. He knew Judaism. He knew Roman law. And yet he came alongside this culture and embraced them and loved them and was patient and long-suffering to guide them to be a bold witness and not to cause some of their actions to disrupt or even cause division or cause one to stumble. And so that's what we need to talk about, my friends. So we have to first and foremost say, what type of pride or arrogance is in my life? Repent of that. Find people in your life that exuberate humility and they can really come alongside you. And it's not about just teaching, but modeling it and convicting you. And, and, and also calling it out when you do get defensive because of your pride or when you feel like you're not getting noticed. You know, a lot of envy and a lot of strife in our life does come because we pridefully think we deserve more than we have. And so that's why pride is a root of so much. It was what caused Satan, right, to be, Lucifer to become Satan, to fall, was because of his pride, it was Adam and Eve listening to his deception and being prideful thinking, yes, I want to be more like God. And, and then with pride, there's that form of selfishness. So that's important because now as we dive in verses 7 through 13, listen to what Paul says now to the Corinthians about being a witness so that you don't cause a weaker Christian to stumble. He says here in verse 7, However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. God will not commend us to God. Or excuse me, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But we take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple. Will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak and you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat. At least I make my brother stumble. Now, I've had many conversations through the years with fellow Christians. Some, obviously, more mature in their faith than others. Some more mature in their faith than even me. Even talking to people in full-time ministry and how do we go about addressing this very thing? How are we to be aware based on our decision-making and our witness, how are we to be more sensitive and discerning and careful to not cause other people around to stumble based on whatever actions we take? Now, remember, in the context, we're taking these rights that we have. This is what Paul was talking about in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 8. He later goes into 1 Corinthians 9 
talking about the rights that he has as a missionary, as a servant of Christ, an apostle in full-time ministry, that he has a right to receive gifts and support and compensation for his work. But right now what he's talking about is the rights that we have in Christ, but not abusing those rights. And not that means is not using those rights to basically overlook or defend certain actions that you know are not a good witness. So what comes to mind immediately? Alcohol, smoking, swearing, you know, kind of these common things. There are many Christians who I respect dearly who drink alcohol, not occasionally, but wine for every meal, let's say, or there's a gathering and, you know, I've been in Christian environments where there's not just wine, but there's rum, scotch, that sort of thing, right? And there are a lot of respectful Christians and there are people who say, hey, look, it's not a stumbling thing for me or um, if it's a stumbling thing for you, then don't don't show up. You know, they're, I mean, pretty direct about it. Like, this is what we do. We don't get drunk, but we like our wines or certain types of draft beer or IPAs or dark beer, whatever. And, you know, even being in environments where after a Christian event where there's maybe even still people around that attended the conference and some of them will order beers, okay? Now, I would say, just to be clear and upfront with all of you, my dear brothers and sisters, in that context, look, if if a brother in Christ is wanting to, that's, that's on them. I'm not going to judge them for that. But in that context, I'm I'm not going to participate because I'm very cautious. And again, I want to be aware that I'm not going to cause a weaker Christian to stumble and how they're going to perceive the situation. Um, and so I don't want to take that. I don't want to take that chance, nor do I want to risk anything. And so oftentimes in the past, when I've been in public environments, again, you never know who's going to walk through the door. I've had people even text me saying, hey, I saw you and your family, didn't want to interrupt, but just want to say hi. And no clue they were around. That's happened quite a lot. So you never know who's around. But it, but And so I, I don't want to be in a situation where someone might see a situation and take it the wrong way or use that and say, well, Jason does it. I mean, even years ago, it's funny, I was just telling this to my daughter, you know, who's in college and she just got her nose pierced and we were talking about what's the intent, what's the purpose behind it, you know, how can you honor the Lord in your life, and if it's if it's a stumbling block, what are you going to do about it? And I told her a story when I was a young youth pastor, and again, she's not obviously a pastor, and, and this is, is uh, different, but I had parents coming to me, and you know, I have two two tattoos on both shoulders, one's my last name, and one is the cross with a, with a Calvary Chapel symbol where I was ordained in the 90s, and so they're very meaningful to me. Now, if I could do it all over again, I probably wouldn't have tattoos, but um, I most of the time forget that they're even there. But I also had my ears pierced when I got out of high school. And I had a lot of parents, and again, I was very young, was not married, looking back thinking, what was my church thinking? What was I thinking? But by God's grace, I got through it. But I was very young and naive and very arrogant. And I was not sensitive to this passage in 1 Corinthians 8, 7 through 13, and when people would come to me and saying, well, we're having this debate at home because they're like, well, my youth pastor has pierced earrings, my or pierced ears, and my, my youth pastor has tats or whatever. 
And, it, you know, I'll be honest, you guys, I was defensive early on, but then I really was convicted. Not that I was walking in sin, but I just didn't want that to be the discussion about my leadership. Well, Jason does such and such. I wanted them to be talking about like, this is what we're learning under Jason's teaching, under shepherding. This is the kind of pastor and leader he is. And I felt at that time, and this was a learning experience for me, and it was a beginning of something in my life in ministry where I'm thankful for it. I look back 25 years later that I didn't want to cause younger and weaker Christians to stumble because of what I was doing. Even though I had the right and didn't think that it was sin, if you will, but, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So I want you guys, I say this up front, and there's so many other things I can share with you guys, but we have limited time. But I say that because as we look at this passage, I want us to understand personally where we're each at and how we are being a witness. So now Paul's exposing this, this ignorance or this lack of conviction that's among some Corinthians regarding the implication of participating in pagan temples. So this is the context. But the principle of it, not causing weaker Christians to stumble, applies, as I was just giving an example, in terms of alcohol and other things. We have to be careful with what we do and how we do it around the people that God has put in our life and our sphere of influence. So one of the first things that Paul approaches is not all possess this knowledge. So now if you go back to verses 1 and 4, Paul uses the word oida, and it literally means in Greek to know theoretically. But here in verse 7, he uses this word knowledge that carries the meaning of having the proper understanding to initiate a response. So not all possess, not all have this proper understanding. So there is ignorance. There were times in my life when I was not you know, intentionally, purposefully causing people to stumble. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the maturity. And I love how Paul approaches this to initiate a response by educating them. So then he says this, through former association with idols. And this is important. This comes from the Biblical Theological Study Bible. <clears throat> it says, between the temple of As, um, Asclepius and Lerna Fountain in Corinth, dining rooms have been discovered that were in use in the Roman period. period. Christians may have been invited by their pagan friends to dine in pagan temples. So remember, that's the culture. That's the environment. And when he says through former association with idols, many of these Corinthians, remember, they came from the pagan temples. But what a lot of them would do is they would be still invited to participate in the temples, in these pagan temples, for a wedding, for a gathering, a celebration. And this is where it starts breaking down. This is when he starts talking about people's conscience that is weak. The word conscience here literally carries the idea of a, of a judge in a courtroom. Okay. And he's the judge who, again, uh, determines what is right, what is wrong. Not He doesn't make the law, but the judge, you know, enforces the law. And so he merely renders decisions based on the interpretation, right, of what the law is. And so the Corinthian uh, Christians, they were faced with a dilemma. Although they understood, right, that the idols were insignificant and that there's only one true God, we talked about in the last podcast, and although they understood that the idols were, were just make-up images of false deities, nonetheless, this, this knowledge about, okay, you came out of that lifestyle, but you're still associating with it. You may not be worshiping these idols, but you're still around these idols. And this created confusion among these new believers who had a weak conscience, meaning 
they were not properly able to interpret the situation. We have that with kids all the time. I have four children. The youngest now is 12 as I'm recording this. And so taking each one of the children to help them as their, their mind, their brain, right, their body is developing physiologically, physically, mentally. There's just things that they just, when you say, what were you thinking, is actually really a, 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 a insulting question. And that, because a lot of times that's the point. They're not able to think the way that we can as an adult. And that's what Paul's addressing here. So if I may, what Paul's advising, and this is something I want to stress, is that while some Christians can consume this meat without sinning, meaning that it was offered to idols and they can, they can consume it, meaning that's not defiling them, this is the issue. That, that may be true. You have a right to eat it. You know that the, these deities are, are false. Um, I'm not even going to get into the demonic aspects of these things That's because that's not Paul's focus here. He's just talking about that it could have negative spiritual repercussions on others who have a weaker faith. And so to have a weak conscience is not possessing a theologically sound mind. And pagan festivals consisted of, remember, offering animal sacrifices. And we also have to understand this culture, sexually immoral practices. And I, I got to say, and when you study this, there's no doubt that there were some of these people who came to Christ. And because we see that back in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, some of them are still going to the temple having sex with the prostitutes there offering themselves. And they would justify it. You know, this reminds you back in Exodus when they make a golden calf because they don't know what happened to Moses and Miriam and, and, and his brother Aaron, Moses' brother, they fall for it. And then at the same time, as they say, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt, they then offer to Yahweh. You can't have it both ways. So there's no doubt that there's some people doing that. But really at the heart of this thing is like, hey, some of you guys, you're, you're, you're participating in these pagan festivals, even though you're not offering to animal sacrifices, you know that's wrong and you're no longer being sexually in, in, engaged or in partnership with someone else, but still it's hardly an environment for Christians to want to be seen in. So it's not a good witness, right? If you have a former pagan worshiper to be eating and fellowshipping at a pagan temple. So take that and apply it in the context of your life today. And that's, that's where Paul's getting at. So like when I was counseling recently, somebody who is an alcoholic, he doesn't step foot in bars anymore. He doesn't meet up with his buddies at a bar and letting them drink. And some of them can get pretty drunk. That's not a good environment, right? And so that's what Paul's getting at. And then here in verses eight through nine, when he's talking about food, and he says, take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block. Again, there were some Christians who argued that eating meat offered to an idol is not the same as worshiping the idol. To them, it was just meat. Fair point. Okay. But notice he says, but I want you to take care. And this is what we have to emphasize. Because a lot of times people are just arguing. He says, I know it's, it's offered to idols. I don't believe in these idols. What's the big deal? And they'll argue that point. So for example... In common day, someone says, I like a good beer. Who cares what people think? I'm not getting drunk. That's on them. What's the big deal? Well, it's it's not saying what's the big deal. 
the point here is take care of the right that you have. Because notice it says, somehow, somehow in this process, if we're so consumed by my rights and what I have a right to do, we are not being sensitive to take care. We are not being proactive to prevent being a stumbling block because it says somehow become a stumbling block. Now let's look at the take care and then we'll look at the stumbling block to understand the context. So take care here is again, there were some who believe they possess special knowledge. And again, this goes back to the arrogance. This is why I was just saying this in the, in the, in the up front in the podcast. We have to pay attention. If you're smart, if you have a lot of knowledge, take care that you don't let that blow your witness. Just because you know more than another person doesn't give you more rights to behave a certain way. Okay, we would actually say it's the reverse. Because of your maturity, because of your status, because of what you know, all the more reason to take care, to be cautious and how you exercise the rights you have in Christ. So these people who believe they possess a special knowledge, they're to take care because they were not to to take the rights that they have to participate in temple activities and say, it's no big deal because I know what I believe and I know what they believe. So Paul's warning them not to overlook the fact that their rights, and this is important because the word is exousia. It, it, it means freedom to engage in a certain practice. But what you don't want to do is you don't want these rights to, to, that you're using to engage in certain practices to cause other people to sin. So the word stumbling in this block, Paul's emphasizing the need at times to set aside freedom in Christ in an effort to prevent a weaker Christian to stumble in their faith. Now, the idea of a stumbling block is something that's placed in the pathway that prevents people from running smoothly through the, 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 the track. And, and Paul talks about this in Romans 14, 13, where he says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. So we don't want to hinder, we don't want to prevent momentum, spiritual progress because of us blowing our witness. Now we see here in verse 10, if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, Will he not be encouraged? The word here literally means emboldened if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols. So again, Paul makes a clear distinction between eating at a pagan table and buying meat at a market. There's a difference. It's one thing when someone says, well, we got this meat in the market and again, it was cheaper and we're a Christian family and it's just meat. And we're giving thanks to the Lord for this meat. This is his creation. Other people are abusing it and using it, thinking that that's going to atone for their sins or make them right with their deity. We don't believe that. But it's quite another where people are not only participating in a feast and partaking of its meat that was offered in that festival to an idol and being at the pagan table with a bunch of pagans. So the word emboldened literally building up the weak believer's conscience to give in and bring about his own downfall. Wow. Let me say that again. So this word, when it says, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be emboldened? Literally, will he not be building up 
the chance of his own downfall because his conscience is weak. So this is where you would get the typical, you know better. I don't need to explain this because you know better. So we need to be aware of our actions and how they impact people around us, especially a young Christian or a new believer. You know, Paul elaborates on this a bit more in chapter 10, verses 19 through 21, when he says, what do I imply then that food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord in the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the temple of the Lord in the table of demons. So we have to be careful, my friends. So now, when we do jump into in chapter 10, Paul deals more with the demonic. Now, obviously, the, the spiritual realm is always in play here. But what he's focusing on is someone's weak conscience. So we have to take care of how we are with people around us and not to assume or not to be so arrogant and defensive. That's what I found for a lot of people who know better. They get very defensive. That's pride. And they're not taking care of how they need to conduct themselves. And verse 11, it says, And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. So the, the Greek word for destroyed here is apelotai. It means to ruin. And it, and it points to, in context, to the spiritual condition of disaster. So get this, by not using your knowledge of a situation wisely, not being an example, not being somebody above reproach can cause another brother or sister who's weaker in the faith to come to ruin or to stay in a life of immature Christianity. My friends, does that not speak to a lot of our Christian friends today? It's a powerful statement. He says, thus sinning against your brother, your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. May that be a dagger to the heart. You know what? You're not just causing someone to stumble. You're sinning against the Lord. And then the next thing says, therefore food makes any brother stumble. I will never eat it. Lest I make my brother stumble. So a mature Christian has a moral obligation to lead by example. And if you and I, my friends, if we love our fellow brethren, you and I will not do something that will cause them to sin or lead them astray. This phrase, I will never eat meat, what Paul's doing is he goes so far to never eat meat again in any effort or in the effort to cause a fellow brother to sin. So if it's one less thing I have to worry about, if that this if this has been such a hotly debated issue and he's not even participating in the temple, but he just gets the meat in the market. And if that if that's going to cause another brother or sister to sin, I don't want to sin against Christ. I don't want to sin against them. I don't want to cause them someone. I clearly don't want to, to, to sin against Christ who died for them, the Bible says. And that's the proper perspective we need to have even as I'm delivering this message to you guys now. This is God's word. He says in Romans 14, 20 through 21, Paul writes, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Notice it is wrong. You can't say, well, grow up. They're weak. That's the point. You have to take care. That's our responsibility. You can't fault somebody 
entirely and say, well, you're, you have a weak conscience. It's on you. You should know that this is, I have this right. So notice is that we start blaming that makes it even worse. Paul says, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. And I've used this passage when it's sometimes with my Christian friends, sometimes saying, Hey, when you're in public, it's not good to drink wine. You have a right. Okay. That's your, that's between you and the Lord or whip out your cigar in public and just be smoking a cigar with a scotch. But if it, 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 but if you're doing it in public and it so happens that again, not a fan, but just a fellow brother in Christ or sister or someone with her family, that's happened to me. You know, when I've run into family members, uh, you know, or, or groups, you know, and they're with their family and thank God again, but again, it's not that something I do because you have, you just, I'm like Paul here. I'm not going to do anything. I'll never eat meat or, or whatever. And if it's going to cause some of some, don't do it. Just let's just see what the, let's take what the scripture says. If we truly took care and were a lot more sensitive, we wouldn't be blowing our witness as much as we are. And so when Jesus, he was even warning not to cause a little one to sin, that's more of extreme case because there's intentionality. You're living a life of unrighteousness, causing others to fall prey. The new King James Evangelical Study Bible says, it is preferable to avoid engaging in activities around those who consider such activities troublesome or offensive rather than to risk becoming a hindrance to their faith. Paul is not advancing a legalistic structure in which the weaker brother determines the morality of each activity. He is simply encouraging believers to esteem other believers over their own preferences and perceived rights. In short, the exercise of Christian liberty should never come at the expense of the spiritual well-being of others, end quote. Well said. May that be true for each one of us, my friends. Watch carefully, take care how you are leading other people, how you are living your faith. And if you have caused other people to stumble because you made wrong choices or you abused your rights and you were defensive, ask for forgiveness. Don't continue that because that is not Christ-like because ultimately now what starts happening is we're sinning against Christ. And we are told, and so by your knowledge, this weak person has destroyed the brother for whom Christ died. You didn't die for that brother or sister in the Lord. Christ did. Our obligation is to lead that person to become more like Christ. And if they can use you as an example, what a powerful testimony. So thanks for listening, my friends. I pray that encourages you this week. Until next time, keep standing strong in the word of God. Thank you.